Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Bryn Kelly. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for Futures Traders, be sure to click on their logos on futuresradioshow.com. Today, I spoke with the founder of The Fundamental Angle and head of research at Cornerstone Futures, Bryn Kelly. Bryn tells us what she is focusing on right now in the natural gas market, why she uses the three C's, constraints, cash market, and conditions. She talks about how crude oil prices have recently been impacting natural gas prices. Her process for trading natural gas spreads. She comments on some of the recent natural gas headlines coming out of Iran. And last but not least, Bring gives her thoughts on CME Group's newest futures contract, Physical LNG Futures. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Bryn. Bryn, given what happened in natural gas last fall, what do you look for when framing up this winter to position for potential rallies? Well, you know, it's really tempting to look at outright prices, um, you know, where they're trading, where they're at right now, relative to what we saw last year. And just, you know, for a quick refresh, I mean, it was really this starting around this week over the next four weeks last year that we saw that infamous run up that we had in natural gas where we went to from three dollars all the way to you know above five um in a really short period of time and 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 there was a lot of news written about that and so here we are this winter and you know we're finally gotten through the summer and we've got prices you know natural gas prices have just cratered through this summer. And I think they're, you know, sitting around two at $2 and 25 cents. And, you know, on face value, I think a lot of people might just look at that price level and get a little anxious and think, you know, like how much lower could it go? I'll just, I'll just grab some here and, and, you know, we'll have that big run up. And I think that what I wanted to do is just kind of talk a little bit about the things that I'm looking for before I would jump in and do that. And there's kind of two ways that I, you know, 
trying to approach this. One is on a macro level and the other is on a micro level. And I'm, I'm going to talk much more about the micro level. Um, and I kind of call it the three C's that, that I'm looking at. And, and that's constraints, cash markets, and conditions. And by conditions, I mean weather conditions or storage levels. So if you look at or you think about the natural gas market, really it has it's a seasonal product um, with you know divided into summer and winter. And the winter season begins in November. And that's the current futures contract on the board. Um, and so many of the moves that, that gas makes in the winter are binary moves. It's either yes, it's going to rip higher because of something or no. And, and most of this is due to constraints. And those are deliverability constraints. You know, at a high level, if you look at, at the natural gas markets, we have certainly enough store, you know, nameplate storage capacity to get us through a, a regular winter season. Um, and really even on a daily deliverability basis, we have enough macro capacity. I think it's 120 BCF a day um, overall capacity of deliverability. But when you get down into the nitty gritty details, it's a regional market and depending on where weather hits, there can be constraints in one region or one part of the country that can blow natural gas prices, you know, in these regional markets up to $100 plus. And that's the big ticket move that tends to pull the Henry Hub central location along with it. However, this year we're sitting pretty comfortably um, in our storage levels, especially relative to last year. We have, I think, 18% more in the ground than we did this time last year. And that matters because we were at such low levels last year that there was fear in the market. Even though on a macro level, everybody generally believes that there's enough supply out there um, and there will be enough supply for a long time in the future. But on a daily basis and last year going into that winter season, there was an underlying bid in the market because the forecast was for a really cold winter and storage was comparatively low. And what happened was that when prices started to move, the mentality of, you know, end users, and we'll call those, you know, the utility companies, was to buy now in order to preserve what they had in the ground. And that was exploited by, you know, the futures, the move in the futures market. But the first indication of that was that daily cash prices were really strong all through, you know, the summer and leading even into 
shoulder months where there's not very much demand. So now here we sit this year and we don't have that underlying bid. Um, you know, the perception is for a normal winter and, you know, we have a normal amount of, you know, supply that we've built up in against the backdrop of record daily production. So in order to really, you know, get and make a full case, we'd need to see one of those regional constraints show up. And, you know, bottom line, in the winter for natural gas, it comes down to demand and it comes down to weather. And given that backdrop right now, there isn't enough fear to exploit um, that and move it up into you know, the futures market, even though they haven't seen it in cash yet. And we're sitting here with really, really weak spot prices across the country. It's the lowest demand of the year and we're seeing producing regions trading a dollar 50 lower than the 225 that Henry Hub is trading. So constraints are these constraints are they're not here yet and there's less fear of them this year. Right or wrong because nobody knows what, you know, winter is going to look like until we get there. And then we have as I mentioned sort of the second C which is cash prices. And that is where we can't get any traction because the daily price every day across the country of where, you know, buyers and sellers are clearing the actual physical delivery just keeps getting weaker and weaker. And especially in the big producing regions where like in the Permian and up in the Appalachian region, their prices when, when they're, when they trade so significantly lower than Henry Hub, you know that there's excess supply and you, there isn't enough demand to you know, pull it to the, you know, the market. And so really it's just gas on gas competition. And right now in the spot market, it's really just like the lowest price gets picked up. So, you know, we don't have, you know, any evidence of constraints yet and, and no fear of that. The cash market is not supporting, um, you know, uh, showing any signs to get excited about. And so then we have to kind of look at, well, what conditions might show up? And we have weather forecasts and we have storage. And, you know, there's nothing really on the horizon at the moment. I mean, this time last year, we're certainly facing much more extreme conditions. We'd had an incredibly hot summer and we were facing an incredibly cold winter and, and, and it got cold fairly early. Um, and so that spooked people. This year, you know, we had a little bit of cold for a couple days. You know, I think early this month, wasn't it? That, well, you live in Florida. <laughs> so <laughs> you probably, yeah, but I mean, it did get down. I think it was like in the 50s out here on the East Coast. But I mean, it showed up a little bit and then it just retreated. And, and I think that's the one right now that everybody is trying to anticipate, right? They're assessing that we're at $2.25. The minute weather shows up, we'll get a reaction. And I'm a little 
skeptical of that this year only because producers, storage owners last year wanted to protect what they had in the ground for fear of not having enough at the end of winter. This year, I think, and so that was like buy in the spot market now to save for later. I think this year they'll be more inclined to sell now, you know, and, and worry about it later. And, and so the reaction might look a little confusing the minute we have some weather and, and we don't get these pops. I mean, it certainly bounce from here, but I think there is going to be a different, um, you know, mentality and approach in the cash market initially, um, which might set up in that way for some, you know, calendar spreads and, and a good one that, that I always like to look at is Feb versus March. I know everybody looks at March versus April, but that's really trading one, it's almost two different products. March is a winter strip product and April is a summer strip product. And, and in, in that way, it's almost binary. You hope that, you know, people get bullish and, and they just, buy that spread when it's bullish, but it, it doesn't even have a lot of fundamental underpinnings. But Feb versus March does, um, and in a, in a few ways. Um, Feb versus March in the East Coast and in some of, of the more constrained markets, you can see Boston and those areas are already, you know, their spread to Henry Hub is 6 $7 over. The uh, same with the LNG curves. And that drops off in March. So there's a nice sort of Feb over March structure to the curve in some of the basis markets and in the LNG markets. And I think in Henry Hub, it's seven or eight cents and it, it bounces around, it, you know, gets down to three. I think last year it might've gone to, I think, 30 cents. And that one I like because it has some fundamental underpinnings to it. Um, it kind of speaks to maybe people not buying the front con front few contracts this year and maybe getting caught a little off guard as as we round into you know January and February of next year um, and and it's much cheaper than buying options at the moment and and I look at some of these calendar spreads as a bit of a option um, to the upside I, I know a lot of people like to argue about that but um, in that way, for seven cents versus you look at some of the volatility in these decent Jan markets and it's 50, 60, 70% already, just because people want a lottery tickets, but, but you know, that implied ball, they're not even really lottery tickets, but they certainly have last year in their memory. And, and so they're, you know, at some level willing to pay up, you know, to play and get a repeat of last year. Although even last year, once the market ran up so much, you actually couldn't really even monetize a lot of those options unless you'd already been holding them. So, so in that way, sometimes you, you can be right and not make any money on, on some of these upside calls, but you can make some money on the spread. So I think you know, going back and looking at, you know, the conditions, the constraints and cash, one of those needs to give a signal. We either need, you know, a, a weather report, um, 
something different in the cash market, spot market that starts to point to something um, or a constraint. Like, you know, a couple years ago when, well, several years now, when the Alice Canyon storage um, fire happened and, you know, there, you, know you, you don't know which one is going to come up, right? But, but to pre-position for that in such an overwhelmingly low demand period without the backdrop that we had last year. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say there's a price level that is 225 the floor or, you know, could they pull the rug out from under you and all of a sudden you're 180. Um, and who wants to take that ride? Um, and, 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 and I don't generally approach the winter in gas from the short side, um, especially at, you know, before the season has even started, when all the unknowns are unknown. I don't generally like to come from the short side on that, but it doesn't mean I'm long. <laughs> it might just mean I pick at some of these spreads and, you know, if we get a little more weather under our belt and get a little further down the process, certainly I, you know, no problem going short, but I just, I think it's too early in the season to say that there couldn't be a, you know, a, a factor that we don't know about that comes in and, and, and moves this higher at some point. So anyway, yeah. So in, in that way, I'm, you know, I'm watching all of these items pretty closely and, and there's, there's nothing that's a call to action at the moment. <laughs> Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I want to pause and thank one of our sponsors, Trading Technologies. I started using TT in the year 2000, and I love it. It is by far the best trading platform I have ever used, and I've tried a lot of them. With TT, you can trade the global markets from virtually anywhere in the world. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. I highly suggest you go try out TT, especially because you can try it for free. Just go to tryttnow.com and set up your account. All right, well, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit more about your execution, but one thing that I want to bring up in one of my recent shows, Kushal, he had said, I expect natural gas to collapse big time. He said four weeks of injection above 60 BCF would be his trigger point to get short. What do you think about what Kushal said about his trigger point to get short? Well, so here's the the thing. I mentioned the difference in the mentality between this year and last year, and, and that's spot on right there, right? That is the underlying feeling and sentiment um, fundamentally, right? So if you were to look at the fundamental factors, we have four weeks left until the storage futures um, expire. Now we could still inject beyond that. And it certainly looks like given where we're at, that the 68, um, a week for the next four weeks will happen. It won't put us at, at storage levels that are, you know, highest ever by any means. I mean, we've been over four TCF certainly before, but just continuing, you know, inject that amount, have a comfortable, on the high end level of storage without any new weather or anything out of the ordinary, 
of course, it's vulnerable. It's incredibly vulnerable to the downside. And, and, you know, that's the hard thing here is that do I, I don't want to sell it at 225 for a dump to $1.75 given where we're at at the beginning of the winter. I, I certainly don't want to own it because I worry about uh, it's natural gas is incredibly vulnerable to taking another leg down here for sure. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I just, I think we're at max bare information at the moment and it, it looks like that could happen, but I, I, I reserve the right to um, either, you know, let something political or some sort of sentiment change people's mind. And one of the things is crude oil. So that, if you've noticed, kind of, and, and it loosely is invertly, you know, correlated, but, but it's really been kind of sticking to that lately. If crude prices go up, natural gas prices go down. And the reason behind that is the Permian. The production, the crude oil production there comes with associated gas that those producers essentially throw away. And because of that, all the other producing regions are having to, you know, it's like a race to the bottom on prices here. So as long as you believe that crude oil prices will not fall out of bed, you know, 45 plus, right, 50, as long as you believe that, then you feel comfortable that you'll continue to have this growth in this natural gas production that is a throwaway product in producing regions like the Permian. It's not the case in the Appalachian region because it's mostly they're drilling for gas, but in the Permian, they're drilling for oil, they're throwing away the gas, flaring it, dumping it on a pipeline. It's irrelevant to them except for, you know, maybe getting them in trouble. So they're absolutely this year, this time this year, we're talking about this real bearish undertone Whereas last year we were talking about this really bullish undertone, like a fear that we weren't going to have enough in the ground to make it through the winter. So I think he makes a great point. I, I, I can't argue with his bearish sentiments. I just, in a lot of ways, maybe that's why we're at 225. I want to talk about you executing if something you see that you're interested in and how you would go about that. So we talked about your three C's constraints, cash markets, conditions. Yep. You spoke about how you like to focus on trading Feb versus March as a spread. Give us an example of something that may come up, something that you're looking for that would be a trigger point for you to trade that spread and how you would go about trading it? Great question, Anthony. Well, um, first of all, I, I like to build positions um, in the shoulder months. And October is certainly a shoulder month. And what I mean by that is it's one, like April and October are sort of the lowest demand times months out of the year. And it tends to, you know, market tends to drift off and, and be a little aimless. During that period, 
that's when I like to buy some of these spreads that I know react when if some new information came into the market. So I think as of yesterday or it was, you know, it was up it's 10 and then that spread was, you know, down to eight. And, and I think it got a little below there all, all the way down. You know, I'll take in a little bit every day. I hope it continues to go lower. If this spread was at the high end of its range, I would be going the other way. Right. But, but it's at the low end of its range. I recognize that it could, you know, Feb could go under March, you know, then I'll stop out, right. It fits to zero and, and, you know, flat price and everything is, has turned bearish. I'll definitely stop out, but at, you know, seven cents, six cents, five cents, those are, you know, positions I'm willing to layer into that that spread might not even move too much, even if we have the next leg down. And, and in that way, I feel comfortable about that versus trying to just outright go long or short at the moment. The minute we move into a bull price pattern, I'll look at outright length. The minute we move into bear pattern beyond the lows that we're at right now, you know, I, I would consider sort of executing or looking at puts for next summer. You know, I like in when the market doesn't have any fear in it at the moment, things tend to get overlooked and they're they're cheaper. You know, they get forgotten about. You know, everybody likes to talk about March, April, blue way out. I think now it's 18 or 19 cents. Personally, don't like that one because March always clears under April. But, but these, this is the time right now that if you are looking at seasonal charts and looking at, you know, putting on some of these maybe option spreads or, you know, calendar spreads, nobody's paying attention. So, so you can, you know, get a position on. And, and that's really, it's hard when that, you know, like I think we've, uh, when any markets, right after oil, when the Saudi news came out, it was really hard to get anything on unless you were willing to start shorting, you know, in, in the face of that. It was really hard to even execute long because the move already, the gap had already happened. And the same thing will be true in natural gas too, right? There will be something that, that will move us. And you just want to have some positions on prior to that, you know, that that could potentially be lucrative. Hey, everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. Okay, besides focusing on your three C's, constraints, cash markets, and conditions, what other tools are you using? Are you using technicals or charts to help you execute these spreads? I use a couple of things, Anthony. I use historical supply demand data. And I like to look at relative value versus what months 
in particular have supply demand imbalances. And, and there's a lot of good data on the EIA website, and you can do a lot of historical supply versus demand by month and get a sense for why some of these spreads come about in the first place. So in that way, I like to you know, look at actual data, and then I like to see where a current spread is trading versus its, its historical range. Doesn't mean I believe that it will stay in that range, but I, that, you know, in a lot of ways, when when you know prior to the winter starting, when when some of these let's call them bull spreads, and this isn't me saying I'm bullish, but I, I like to look at where they are um, in their relative five-year historical range during the shale period. Yeah, it's just having awareness, right? You want right. to be aware of right. the Actually, You're right. Now, right. I, I want to talk about uh, a few things because I don't trade spreads, so I'm always curious about how people put stops in if they're trading spreads. How, how are they determining position sizes uh, when they're trading spreads? And then if they start going your way, do you have targets? I mean, how, how do you know when to get out of these things? So, for example, I mean, we can beat this Feb March to death, but um, you know, in in oil markets, there's you know the market's been in backwardation for a while, and now it's flipping into contango. You know, the, those markets, you might have had a target of that flip, right? And once that flips, you've made your money. In in gas, you know, if you look at a spread, you enter it, you know, you, you decided that unless it breaks down below it's, you know, sort of historical range or something, you have, you know, something's changed fundamentally, and this is not going to be the year that, that it follows course, um, you know, certainly get out. It's hard, it's harder to put um, stops and spreads, but, but they're also less volatile. Um, on the upside, say my first target is generally recovering sort of what I've initially put in, right? So if I averaged into a spread at seven and and we've moved up to fourteen, let's just let's just call it doubling. Um and, and that's in a world where the range has been between zero and thirty five cents. Yeah, you know, I certainly take half off and depending my belief on the bull bear sentiment in the market will come into play on that. Right. So if I Natural gas rallied, the event is over, and the spread, you know, only gets to so far, I might take it all off. But, you know, spreads are a bull bear sentiment. And, and so if you believe a bull run will continue, continue in, in outright markets and the spread is acting differently, that, there's a lot of information in there, right? It tells you there's something else going on. So, so I, I, I think I can't give you like a perfect answer. I'm definitely a position trader, right? If, if I fundamentally like something, I'll have, you know, put it on, I'll hold it until it's breached some stop loss. And then um, on the upside, I like targets of, especially on these spreads, right? To double and, and beyond that, you really have to, you know, it's a bull bear thing. So if I'm no longer bullish, right? Or no longer bearish, uh, I'll get out of it. 
No, that's a great explanation. Thanks, Bryn. A couple of topics before I let you go. I want to go to some of the headlines that came out uh, over the weekend, actually. One was Iran announced on Sunday that it has discovered a new natural gas reserve with the capacity to produce nearly 400 million barrels of gas, which would generate a total of $40 billion. Big deal, not a big deal. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that goes back to talking about the potential supply that that appears to be out there. Um, and also, I mean, it is Iran, right? but that people are looking, it's, it's a race right now to be a supplier in the global markets, not just for oil, but, you know, fingers crossed, people want that in LNG. So a reserve is meaningless and, until it's produced. And and I can't comment on whether or not they would produce it, but I think if you want to file that in the back of your mind with the, we're certainly not running out of natural gas, that, that would go in that file. <laughs> Last question for today. On September 4th, CME put out a news release that on October 14th, so actually last night, they're going to launch the first ever physical LNG futures contract connecting global gas market participants to U.S. exports. Thoughts on this new contract? Well, you know, there's um, a lot of good information that will be in the, you know, the settlement prices and, and the market action on those. A Gulf Coast LNG price, that will clearly define what the spread is between conventional gas, right? So Henry Hub natural gas and refining it into LNG, right? Tolling it, they say. You'll, it's just, it's be like having the crack spread at some level, right? And I think that'll bring a lot of transparency to the market. There's a lot of fat margins that have been out there on, you know, for first movers getting into this market since there's not a lot of price transparency um, and even on sales contracts. So we'll kind of start to see that, I'm going to liken it to a crack spread, but, you know, it's the fractionation spread. And, and that will be good. I think we'll see how, you know, short or long the market is. So I, so I like it from that standpoint. And then, you know, the next piece of information it will show us is the export economics, right? So once you've fractionated it and you've got it as LNG in the Gulf Coast, that's that price, right? And then you look at the Asian LNG futures, the JKM that CME already has. Um, and you can see it's like the Brent WTI spread, right? So now you start to see what is that, what's, what's the demand for that? And, and what's that relative to shipping costs? You know, if it's not covering shipping costs, you tend to think there's not a lot of demand. So I think that's going to bring in a lot of just knowledge that hasn't really been there around this whole LNG you know era that we're in in this export era. So so I welcome it. I'm I'm you know certainly looking forward to it and I hope it brings in you know a lot of sort of spread trading in that way. It, that's kind of the way we get connected to the global markets. Right now we're not really but it's you know as in you know crude oil is certainly unarguably connected to the global world, even though we have our regional dynamics. I think that, you know, that's a step in that direction to sort of move 
natural gas out of a, a local product. Bren, it's always great to hear your insight. Where can people follow you on Twitter and give us a website to check out? Twitter handle is Bryn K. Kelly, and website is thefundamentalangle.com. Terrific insight today. Thank you so much for joining me on Futures Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.